But uh, yeah, so just just in terms of then moving on to the next topic, which is we want to talk a little bit about genre and tone. This is sort of a nice follow on <laughs> and segue <laughs> from the idea of talking about like Lynch and does it have to make sense, which is the question of how does Twin Peaks play with stuff like genre, tone and pacing? Mm. Pacing in particular, I'm very interested to hear opinions on and takes on. Um, well... <sighs> Can I just go, going back to something that was discussed five minutes ago? I oh, did. On, I too. did want uh, further to be uh, baguettes with brie. <laughs> and, um, I, I didn't want to like, eat them at a jaunty angle. Exactly. <laughs> baguettes yeah. with baguettes with brie. I'll be honest. That sounds like a marketing pitch for Captain Marvel that went wrong. See what you did there. Ah, uh, yes. Very good. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, pros before swine. <laughs> it, Shut took, up. it took Andrew a second to trig that one. Andrew but very I, tired. I appreciated that. Thank you very I'd much. I'd rather you laugh. Uh, I did laugh. <laughs> it was a pity laugh. Oh, no, it right. wasn't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about this in terms right. of like Twin Peaks pacing. Pacing with Lynch is an interesting one because oh, no. he doesn't good. really cater for... Uh, how should we say <laughs> a fast paced world it's and, it, yeah. and it's not, not say it's deliberately slow in, in a way to frustrate or anything like that it's not he, but he takes his time on scenes scenes last as long as they need to last and, and sometimes and even longer and even longer for like uncomfortable great, and weird reasons there's the sequence of the, the sweeping in the yes sort of, the remarkable sweeping scene which well, I was never bored I for a second that. of yeah. me too yeah yeah. This, that was really satisfying I to got watch. to breathe I actually I like sweeping as well <laughs> I, actually, <laughs> I actually do and I find it very therapeutic almost uh, to Jay, watch. Was, Jay played curling in a past life well, um, I did not. It's, it, it, thank you for just reminding me of the sweeping scene because yeah, it doesn't make any narrative sense. No, but and then the, again, we're we're talking about. Would you cut it if you had the chance? Absolutely not. No, but the, like this is the thing we're talking about. Okay, like it's not a propulsive pace, but if it was propulsive, what on earth would it would it advance? Uh, we're talking about narrative there again, and of course, as we've discussed, that is not necessarily Lynch's yeah. main. And Lynch uh, main has to goal. establish a world for people to live exactly. in, like, and that to establish a world where he can play in and do the things he wants to do takes time. Yeah. Like it, 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 you can't do it with quick cuts and kind of shortcuts here and there. It doesn't work. It, like you, you have to get people into the headspace for it, and it takes a little bit of time to adjust. <laughs> uh, sorry, just Melon Boy pointed out that genre, the way you said genre and tone sounds like Jean Renault. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're in the Black Lodge. I do like Melon Boy's observation as well that he doesn't dislike the scene because it's too long. He dislikes it because it wasn't long enough. He missed some spots. Uh, the sweeping wasn't properly thorough enough. But like, yeah, have, that, a, have, a, have a heart. That was a problem. Like, I, I was watching it thinking, kind of, that's not how I would <laughs> sweep uh, this if I was doing yeah, it. Sweep that no, I'd be, I'm a better sweeper. I'm not going to lie about oh, it. Yeah. But <laughs> I still appreciate the gesture I nonetheless. Enjoy it. Like, there yeah, was yeah, something kind of hypnotic. Yeah. yeah. And we're just watching dark. Uh, if, had it been hoovering, I might have enjoyed it a little more. But that's just just me. <laughs> in a heavily carpeted area. <laughs> I mean, we're, just, we're talking <laughs> about like <laughs> ASMR in, in, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then <laughs> in the credits, Hoover built by David Lynch. <laughs> 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 it took him four weeks and shut down production. <laughs> Apparently, we're loving the ASMR of the pie eating here. I'm taking credit for that. So, uh, oh no, wait, there's been a lot of ASMR all all evening. Oh really? Oh, well. Sick twists. I'm three pies now, and I've one more pie to taste. I'm gonna. Like Lord. That. I'm just going to uh, contribute by a bit now. Mmm. Nice, Philip. Beautiful. Very yummy. Good. Very, oh. very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ooh, I just got a tingle. <laughs> but there you are, you see. I mean, we just 
we just paused the podcast so I could eat pie. This is what we want. If that isn't an accurate recreation of David Lynch's approach to pace, I don't know what is. But I mean, like, there's something about this because again, we're going back to again Andrew's list of of how did you describe it? Your um. You're not mainstream or not, uh, but you're the Tarkovsky and Lynch lift. List. Oh, the yeah, art house, yeah. Uh, the, the art house crowd, but you had a very catchy description of it. I can't remember what it was, but it was like um, Tarkovsky's sort of as and Tarkovsky's talked about this, where he talks about film as sculpting in time. Oh, and the what he does, Lin- Lynch nonsense is greater than yes. Tarkovsky nonsense. Yes. Yeah, and we, I wanted a top ten nonsense list, which I haven't seen. <laughs> as of yet, <laughs> we we have time. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I want the by seven a.m. in the morning. I can tell you that much. Uh, but he hasn't watched Inland Empire yet. <laughs> oh, I want to yeah. be there. For oh, that. I want to. I want to see that. But in in terms of things like we're talking about, like pacing and stuff like that, Tarkovsky talks about like this idea of like filmmaking and sculpting in time, and it's kind of interesting that I think it is but I generally put that down to editing and that editing distorts and stretches and contracts moments in time but for Tarkovsky it's a very literal thing it's very much along the lines of like you hold a shot for as long as possible and we've had this discussion where yeah, Tarkovsky like describes it as like them past the point where, they, where they're interested and then at some other point past that they're going to regain interest because but because you've, you've stepped into Stuart a Lee does it does with jokes a lot actually it's true Stuart Lee repeats and repeats things that people the crowd will laugh Keep laughing, they stop kind of laughing, in, die out, and the laugh comes back. They end up laughing almost at the absurdity. Yeah, of it. and like, it's like what becomes yeah. funny was not funny in error yeah. two minutes ago, and so on and so on. It, and and you know, different experiences are going to be enthralling to different people. It's like, for example, um, I suppose the obvious example would be something like uh, Jean Dielman, the uh, Chantal Ackerman film. There are long stretches of that where the lead character just does mundane things like peel potatoes or red chicken breasts, things. Like, but there is something something very compelling about watching people do something I if they're good maybe if they're good at it but also maybe just if they have a particular if they have a real sense of focus and purpose on it's it it's just chicken breasts that they that they bred because I do like those uh, breaded chicken tires <laughs> that they do at Super Value and I've always wanted <laughs> to Super Value are on their way now with a big tray <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. plug the hell out of it aren't I wanted to watch somebody that whirring like, sound is Chantal Ackerman rolling in her grave <laughs> going, going um, but my point is it, it's like um <laughs> Or say there are scenes in like There Will Be Blood where uh, Daniel Plainview is doing sketches for his next oil well, things like that. And it doesn't matter who the character is or what you think of them, because Daniel Plainview, for example, I mean, he is just greed made flesh. But the man knew how to drill an oil well. Uh, Jeanne Dielman, she's, she's living this pretty miserable life and is only slowly extricating herself from it. But she clearly knows what she's doing around the house. And when you're watching somebody who's focused and good at what they're doing... And whether that's this guy who sweeps the bar, even if he's missing a few spots, <laughs> or just things like that, you just, yeah. especially in a work like Twin Peaks, I think you just get to a phase where you've seen so much oddness, so much peculiarity, that suddenly a guy who's just sweeping the floor becomes oddly captivating and heroic but, almost. And yeah, but the, the, it's lonely work, but yeah, someone's got to do it. But the, yeah. the, the, I agree with you. Thing that's even more strange to me, like be, 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 because kind of you know pe- people's um, short short attention span, so it's so it's odd that it, kind of like these things are kind of um, a, a drawn out past where where some people would be comfortable with. Yes, yet yet I find it compelling, mm. um, and I think a lot of other people do. But the thing that's really kind of interesting to me is in the scenes of great kind of um, activity. 
like where where uh, like the 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 scene for example with the with the um Polish accountant. Yes. And mm. and oh, with, and then with, the argument with the Hutches. And, with, and the, yeah, yeah, with 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 um the the pacing and that it's kind of it it it's not it's not like you you've seen you've seen action scenes, like scenes in movies. Yeah. But it, it nothing ever feels like and you you have it in Mulholland Drive as well. Yeah. With the with the uh, where it seems so kind of um like there, 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 there's these people being um, uh, uh, being killed, and there's guns being shot. But there's something so kind of um, unique, and kind of like the the way the way that's paced is so kind of against the grain. I'm trying, I'm trying to sort of that makes sense. I'm trying yeah. to remember where I I read this. It might be the the video uh, essayist. Uh, Koganada, but I'm not entirely yes. sure. Okay. Uh, but he does a series on directors, and I think oh, he yeah. might have done one on Lynch. And his argument about Lynch as a director is that Lynch has this knack. He sets up an expectation. Mm-hmm. Then he holds a scene so long that the audience loses sight of that expectation. You sort of drift away from it. And then when you've drifted away from it, he pays it off. Yeah. Which is very similar to the scene that you're talking about. Because you have, like, the People FBI... are kind of wondering about, like, oh, yeah. oh, shoot that person. Oh. Yeah, and and it's like oh, I'm going to shoot at you now, and and it, it's it it's just and then you see like there there are these kind of um, people observing it, and they're like, oh, what what, what the Hello! kind of uh, neighborhood is this anyway? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I yeah. might point out, sorry, just before we drift on to something else, that Coganada made a film called Columbus a couple of years ago and oh, it is brilliant. Yes. Oh, this is the one with John yeah. Chu? Yeah, it is great. I only watched it a, a few months back and any chance I plug it, I can and people should watch it. It hey, is Lou fantastic. Richardson, we love you. She's fantastic in it. And She's Kurt, great in Support the Girls. Kurt has yes, pointed out that's that the, I like that too. Oh. Mm. The car journey in the final part is a great ex- example of this where you're spending the entire episode yes. expecting for them to get there and they do eventually get there and it turns out not to be the place but it's very much about like building that where they're just driving down roads mm. and passing familiar landmarks and like having this like and again it's it's arguably a reminder that they're not in TV land anymore where the lights behind them turn out not to be a bunch of like gangster assassins but instead yeah. just a car overtaking them and it works very well in that sense and I think that's why Lynch's sort of pacing doesn't bother me no, I as agree. much as like it might bother some. It's not withholding for the sake of it. I think he knows exactly where he's doing and he knows how to deliver payoffs. He knows yeah. how to deliver scenes. So Mel- yeah, yeah, on that, uh, Melon Boy breaks, uh, brings up the video, the behind the scenes video where he Lynch blows up as somebody asks, asking him to cut it down, cut down the length of a scene. He's like, who the... Hello! Cares, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not the audience. It's like, uh, as as we said in another Phil uh, podcast, far too many notes. <laughs> too many notes. Uh, uh, there are as, there are as many or as few as I require, neither more nor less. <laughs> I don't I don't understand. And when have I heard this before? Um, in terms of notes and symphonies, then yeah. it's probably worth pivoting to talking about like the use of genre. Pivot, pivot. In well, I mean, film noir <laughs> kind of pops up even in the first season of Twin Peaks. Like, uh, you know, the, the music kicks in. Yeah, things talking to Cooper all the time. Yeah, stuff. I think if you're going to talk about genre in terms of Twin Peaks, let's. I think you have to start on one level and then work your way down. I mean, on the surface level, what is Twin Peaks? Um, okay, FBI agent comes down. Murder mystery soap opera. Murder mystery soap opera. Right. Yeah. So we've nailed that down. So you've got 
the soap opera, like, you know, any... Okay, so the murder mystery, is, I, I don't know what you talk about. The murder mystery, that's basically Cooper, the Palmers, um, the police station, all those. This isn't a murder mystery, though, is it? Well, it kind of is. It's part of it. Solve that in the second, uh, season. second season. I mean, we watched, we watched we'll the come second back season. We watched the second season, and the moment where Leyland kind of commits suicide, Andrew's like, "So that's it. The show's done, right? You wish. The show's over. That's we it. wish. Yeah. We all wish. But, <laughs> but on the yeah, we got the rest of the second season and eighteen more episodes. <laughs> and so, and that's, you know. that's where your soap proper especially comes in. But that was always through the show. Yeah. The side characters are so rich that we loved, and literally the soap opera playing on TV to it as well. Uh, what was it called? Invitation again? to Invitation Love, which I would watch a whole season of. Lynch would make that, and I would watch. The hell ever. It looks I amazing. Suspect, I suspect I'd watch a season and regret it, but there it's, you go. Yeah, it's amazing because they probably made uh, that uh, as well. No, like, no, like, no, they like would like Robocop. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, it feels I'd like ever a dollar. dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, Invitation to Love feels like the kind of show that um, uh, Joey from Friends would have starred in. Yes, yeah, Dr. That. Drake Romano. Uh, yeah, Ramore. yeah, yeah. Ramore, uh, Ramore apologies. Nice Romano oh, yeah, sorry. Ray Romano That's Ray Romano Oh Oh I've been doing this Different show entirely <laughs> I've been doing this For 10 hours at this point It's got like, sharpen up Mooney One of the things like, but, uh, yeah, yeah go ahead No, no, no I was going to say like One of the things about Twin Peaks Particularly the return mm. So where is that Where is that in genre Let's Yeah it's this. this idea And it's something That comes up repeatedly Is the idea that Lynch I think it's Todd Vanderwerf At Vox Has argued that like it feels like you're watching television and Lynch has the remote and he flicks between these sorts of genres repeatedly where you have this Forrest Gump style story happening with Dougie. You yeah. have No Country for Old Men with Mr. C. You've got all these little weird interludes that are happening. Like You've got like Rick BH. Morty's interdimensional. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the early parts of Dougie's story are just pure comedy. I mean, yeah. Or, or farce. I mean, most it, of them are. But yeah. it goes on for. 13 episodes. Like, I mean, there's withholding and giving you what you want. Like, I that mean. whole time in the casino, I just laughed every time he let a hello. hello. I just <laughs> lost it. Absolutely. I was only watching it yesterday. It's amazing. It's like, just so bizarre. I was thinking, Mr. Jackpot, this isn't my coop, but I'll take it for now. <laughs> and also, I'm laughing. So, okay, I'll make do with this. And then they brought in Naomi Watts, like, okay, all is right with the world. We, we, yeah, we had a guest. Oh, Sunny Jim. We had a guest <laughs> on, Jim. like, from with the, the clapping lights. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I love it. There's so much comedy, like, broad. I, I, I like, also love that like, somebody who seems as docile as this version of Dougie appears to be the world's greatest lover. <laughs> so weird. As after right. he's, uh... You know that's mounted, right? <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, lie there just and play on your arms is generally the, the way that it works. I've been uh, told. I'm sure before. we've all had that. But um, <laughs> do it for Ireland. Uh, but yeah, I take the point. Yeah, and, and it's but, so. But the doggy is like you could spend the, the rest of the I podcast on the doggy. Love you. Yeah. <laughs> or just he's great. Like or the first time when he tries coffee, you would think. This might be the thing to snap him back into Cooper. Just <laughs> and then his yeah. face, leaning, <laughs> face. It's, it's but even like the cherry pie and the little moments, and yeah. the little bit that he's trying to touch the badges and, and the, stuff. And the, the, or when the, someone the, says the, from the statue, the, the, the statue is amazing. It's, it's oddly moving, like yeah. when he stands there looking yeah. at it, and touching the well, bottom that's of the, it. That's the first time that a f- an episode finale isn't inside the roadhouse. Yes, it's yes, like yes. This, yeah. Like the jazz playing over the scene and stroking it. It's really lovely. Like I found that really quite affecting, weirdly. And and again, that it wasn't much in ten episodes a day. Like Andrew, he's probably. 
fucking next one so I can yeah. sleep like, I, I, I want to apologize to David Lynch for watching for somebody who it, it matters an awful lot to David Lynch how people watch the movie I, 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 like, or I, the show but, but I think it's a great uh, sorry uh, it's a I, show I, um, yeah the, the, it's a movie as show it's a it's a it's a show uh, not a movie it's Lynch not Nolan um, <laughs> all uh, the good things <laughs> yeah. get them all yeah, in there now but I think it's a testament to uh, Lynch um, how um, how impressed I was with it in spite of handicapping myself <laughs> severely yeah. well, in terms of like how frustrating all of that should be but somehow it's not which is just amazing but oh, it, it and was again, and I, <laughs> but like I mean I, I I watched this I watched The Return about three times in the past three weeks in order to get ready for this the whole and thing one, yep and Good one of God. them well okay two times fully and a third in and out with Andrew uh, which is yeah welcome to 2.50 after dark good jeez um, that's yeah. a lot we've done away with our in and out charge yeah um, it's not what you think but the uh, <laughs> gentlemen please but oh no we, you know what we should do an in and out charge let's do <laughs> let's, let's hey, do you have a nonsense like, list to put together yeah, don't be yeah. having more jobs yeah. onto yourself let's do some just like 2.50 business right. <laughs> listen, listen to us while we set up our Facebook page <laughs> <laughs> the only way that Andrew is ever going to set up that Facebook page <laughs> is by doing it in live in real time we're waiting anyway. for Facebook to stop yeah. becoming relevant we're waiting for them we're to not far off hopefully but yeah not very far off all of the notifications I get or, well, like you can switch them off, you know. It, but I, I, I had it so that it was only close friends that I would uh, get these kind of like notifications from. And now they've decided more popular none of you your think. close friends are are the kind of people who go on Facebook and and uh, post updates. So we're going to share stuff with people who you don't know and don't want notifications for. I've been putting um, pictures up of my holidays for the last three weeks. Where are you? I are we? You see, <laughs> soft blocked you, man. Hello. You, this is the revelation that we're not close friends. What's the problem with the with the with the you might not see algorithm it. Yeah. then? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not because it's not giving me those notifications. Wow. This this has got this is taking a turn, hasn't it? Darren, we'll carry on between peaks. Yeah. You, you start that out yeah, between you, you guys. Carry on your business there. Um, it's got to be chilly in here, no? Yeah, really. cold, no? <laughs> yeah. I think those got taken down. It wasn't that much new, does it? Stop now. But yeah, like I mean the pacing is such a great part of it and the fact that like you have these musical arc acts sort of in full somebody pointed out earlier in the chat that like uh, Rebecca Del Rio's like uh, oh, no, stars, no Stars it takes up like 15% of the episode thank god <laughs> it, it is glorious amazing. I mean I, I just as soon as I heard that she was back doing something with Lynch after that after that performance in Mulholland Drive just yes all of it I, give her a whole episode Glorious. Okay, so what you're saying is not 15% too much. You're saying 85% lacking. Yeah. It's not yeah, enough. I hear you. I hear but you. in terms of, of genre and in terms of stuff, like because the it has this wide gamut. Now, the original sort of, as you pointed out, crossed all sorts of genre lines. This is like you have the music acts in playing in the concert, sort of playing in the Roadhouse, which are very much like something from VH1. It, it almost like a music li- video. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have There's like There's a real stop making sense vibe. Yeah, and, and like it, it's yeah, a concert film. I thought film about stop making sense all the time. Like the, 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 it, 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 feel, it feels like uh, Talking Heads and David Lynch uh, belong together. Oh, stop. That's just music. Just imagine ears. that, yeah. When uh, the days go by, let the water hold me down. And so forth. This is not my beautiful house. Is it yours? <laughs> <laughs> but um, there, there is this sort of... And the thing about Lynch is that 
And we talked a little bit about logic, and we talked a little bit about dream logic. <laughs> One of the things that I like about Lynch is, despite the fact that it all feels so disparate and so spread out, and you have scenes, like, you'll jump from a scene of horrific violence to one of, like, hilarious comedy and this sort of juxtaposition between the two. And, like, it would be a tough line for any director to get right. Mm. But Lynch always somehow finds the balance. There's always, like... There's always a sense in which, like, the, the episode jumps from certain extremes to another. Again, we point about the Dougie stories, but those often, like, follow scenes of horrific violence or heads exploding or various other things. Well, it's like, when you say dream logic, I mean, uh, we all dream, and I think we're all familiar with the turns that our dreams can take. So, the idea that something like one of Dougie's mishaps can follow one of Mr. C's heinous acts... Like, you know, dreams do go to that places. I, I think, like, funny enough, we were saying earlier, episode eight, I found that to be just images from pure nightmares. And mostly in their jagged, disconnected, sketchily edited kind of way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the rest of the series flows quite like a dream, uh, but just... Even, I mean, sorry, even if we're yeah? talking about um, genre and stuff like that, the scene, there's a scene earlier on in the show, I can't remember, I have to remember which episode it was, but it's when they go to interview Bad Coop in prison. Yes, Diane. Is yeah. it before uh, Diane? It's, it's just a, the first one. Yeah. It's, the, it's the first one when he talks to Cole. You're glad yeah. to see you. It, that straight out of a horror film. The yes. deepened voice, the darkened room, the, dark the screen room going up, the screen going back down. And, and the that, sort of like attempt to like, yeah. like it's like slow down something dark, not human yeah. pretending yes, to be human. Yes, exactly sort of that. that you have. And I, I feel Hello, like kind of Gordon. Goosebumps, like watching it, like of actual underlying terror. You know yeah. what I mean? And horror in it, which I, and it's like, he just imagine if Lynch, like, I mean, you could argue he's made a lot of horror films. So I'd argue Mulholland's a horror film. To, to use you could it. argue it's that horrifying. about pretty much all his films, except none of them are but horror, can you imagine like, if he wanted to do a pure horror film for the crack like could you imagine it no, it would be the most terrifying thing ever committed to film because he because he knows what he's about he knows what there's an underlying thing that like I find Mulholland Drive more terrifying the more I watch it because there's an underlying horror to that thing about and it's about Hollywood and the darkness under that and all the rest but, of it and, and it's and it's it's a fear that seems to well not infect but perhaps like infiltrate everything he does even rabbits yeah. The uh, short, oh, the, the, yes, the, yes. the, the short comedy. from Inland Empire, that scares That's, the almighty yeah, no, crap out of me. Well, it, it's the again, it's the uncanniness of it. It's the, the uncanniness sen- and the sense of the sound so design. The, the, the finding of the body in Mulholland Drive when they go into get into the apartment, yeah, before it all changes is. A terrifying moment. That behind the Denny's is it the Denny's? Oh, behind the, the, the Trump behind Denny's. Sorry, yeah. That is that's incredible, unbearably. Like even when we know what's coming, I've seen that like four or five times, and it still worries me when I'm watching it. And there's and there are moments like that peppered throughout the return as yes. well. Like that's say, exactly it. Like Mister C seeing him in jail for the first time. It, you know, as monster, soon as you see the screen go down, you think that's not my coop. No. That's not my coop. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's fun, but like. Even even with being so kind of like horrifying and macabre, it, the, the sense of 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 humor that that David Lynch has because because in the in the final episode when he's he's getting uh, Laura Palmer, like they n- n- never mention <laughs> the <laughs> body in the room, the no. body in the room, and it, it, it's kind of uh, it's it's like you're um, it's accepting that you're. Almost like an the, these these characters in the movie they've seen much worse. <laughs> it's yeah. true. They're, they're yeah. kind of like indifferent to to this man with a hole in his head in the because it's like oh yeah, it's, it's, 
Yeah, yeah, we've seen worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and indeed, we're talking about scares. The final moments of the final episode oh, will geez. haunt me for the rest of my days because up until that, we've been waiting for this payoff. Is it her? Is it, are we are we actually going back to this? Is she has she been with us all along? Yeah. No. And then as soon as he goes, what year is this? And you realize, oh, Coop, what have you done? And then the most bowel-clenching, horrific scream I've encountered in a piece of media in so long. Uh-huh. And even that shot of uh, the, the house, the fan Going. in the house, on the, mm. the, 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 the roof fan in... In the firewalk with me, is it? The shot of the roof fan? Oh, it's in the return. Uh, it's... Oh, you have Sarah the shot through the window. You, yeah, know, you don't even see it fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when Hawk is visiting, it's yeah. there. It's yeah. And it's like a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a monster lurking. Terrifying. And you have the sound yeah. as well. Like yeah. when Hawk goes, if there's anything you need, anything at all. Yeah. In a sense that it's almost like, you know, you can tell me, blink twice if you're in yeah, trouble. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. It's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. yeah. But then considering what Sarah Palmer does later in that yeah, well, yeah, the series. Yeah. It'll all be edited eventually. Don't panic. It will. Into a brisk 13-hour <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. We, we've, why gone, would you want, we've gone off on some... Why would you want a podcast segment? To, you know, why the hell would you want a shorter podcast well, segment? Well, indeed, indeed. Yeah, it's a fair um, question. But, like, in terms... If, if, if there was anyone who didn't manage to fall asleep while listening... The first time around. hour Blink once for yes. Podcast. Or yeah. Yeah. If there's anything that you need, anything yeah. at all, please yeah. let the 250 know. Yeah. Um, but there is this... There is, like, I mean, Andrew's argued that, yeah, the great thing about the 250 is the podcast you can fall asleep to, which is a, a wonderful advertisement oh, for us. I kind of like that. In yeah, a, and then, too, and it's not to suggest I fell asleep listening to it, I didn't. But I, I like the no, idea No, in a soothing that. way. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. we're here for you. We'll probably be here when you wake up for being... We'll be here out. when you're dead. <laughs> <It's> all <laughs> the good we're things. We're never leaving. Um, we are constants. We are but binary code in the world of the digital. Jesus, that's we great. Are ones well, that's, and that's very. That's, that's taking it down. And I wasn't uh, expecting yeah, that. I mean, we will, 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 will keep um, we'll podcast paying at your funeral for, if you want. for the hosting. But you should also <laughs> put it on a tape cassette. Um, yes. Was he yeah. a good man? He was a very good man. I yes, he was. I mean, he Top ten J scenes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I like uh, in the second hour. Yeah, <laughs> Darwin Award for podcasting. Yes. <laughs> so, like, I'm thinking about, for example, like I'm thinking like the, the scene transitions oh, between, welcome. for example, like uh, Bobby crying at the photo of Laura Palmer. That gets me every time. But, like the and and the theme comes in. Full That's of the first. Big that is moment. the first time we hear any of any themes from the original soundtrack, bar the opening credits. Yeah, yeah. and that some like. Again, you're talking about how Lynch prolongs and then pays those off. moments and then pays off, and it becomes so much richer for that. That's and his expression, Laura Palmer. Yeah, so many memories. Yeah, we he know, but we feel you. I but, feel you. But like that's immediate. Do you remember what that's immediately followed by? This is the question. I so the episode four. What happens late in episode four that everybody else always associates with that episode? We're introduced Let to a new know. character. Let me try, try oh, uh, um, check out my notes. I watched this yesterday. What the hell is wrong <laughs> Obviously, with me? it made quite an I impression. I didn't. That's my excuse. Part but it, four. Um, most important. Gambling. Most important new character in part four is oh. introduced directly after that. Well, we we we. We've we already have, talked we about him a great deal. It's Wally Brando. Ah, so you, yeah, you go. Stri- see, we, I should have yeah, just we, went to my we bloody have, notes on Twitter that yeah. I actually had because I did <laughs> note that. I think we have Brett Gelman in that. We've. Uh, do we get candy? We do. I think. It's candy that I believe probably uh, if we get the the brothers we get them the Mitchell right, brothers. Yeah, a second. But I mean I you get you get, like, you get Brett Gelman. I think that's the first kind of appearance, and then then we don't get um, 
candy to the later. But yeah, I do have Wally Brando written down. Yeah, but I mean, like you go from oh, that candy is scene. episode five, I think. You, you go from that episode, that scene of like Bobby Briggs breaking down yeah. and crying, and going straight to Wally Brando, which yeah. is this wonderful juxtaposition between the two, and it's kind of a mastery of like tone. Mm. How many films can you think of that could go, or TV shows could go from? And it doesn't miss a beat, and it doesn't feel yeah, like it should it does, be. It doesn't it feel like work. it doesn't belong, yeah. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. Is, is remarkable. And Lynch does this sort of repeatedly, where he's like mirrors things again. This is the thing where you know it's definitely television because each of the episodes is structured along these lines, where you have these juxtapositions of kind of sequences and scenes within episodes and sort of between episodes where like you have the the episode that has the two instances of violence in the trailers you have i think it's episode 10 which opens with richard horn beating miriam almost to death and then that's followed by a much more mundane act of domestic violence between Stephen uh, and his wife as well um so you have these sort of like and you have lynch doing this sort of repeatedly where he sort of plays with ideas and even though the scenes are like nominally like disconnected even though they like have no necessarily kind of strong correlation in terms of say like character or in terms of location um but you have like this connection along the lines of like theme or again we we talked about lynch as as somebody who you don't necessarily understand psychologically but somebody who you feel so you have like you know the the sort of the the contrast between those two you have all those scenes of kids in danger with sort of echo one another to pick an example you have like all these sort of moments and I actually wrote them down but I can't find them now which is really frustrating it's um, Um, it's world building or did you yeah you know you, you believe in the world and yeah. you believe in the people when in it that frequent it. Yes, exactly. And the characters in it, and then you grow it to It gives you time to breathe in the show as well. Like, the scenes are delivery paced. You get to know it. You get a feel for the town. You yeah. get a feel for everything. You like the eccentricity of it. You like Absolutely. the kind of strangeness of it. And it feels like somewhere you know, even though you've never been there, you know? I think, it's, I think that might be why I prefer, and I know this might be sacrilege to a lot of people, it's why I prefer the missing pieces to Fire Walk With Me. Because it's just people doing their stuff. I've, n- I've never seen the missing piece, but oh, I do have it now, so I, it's, it's on my list. Check it out. I, I adore for watching. It's very, so it's very worth watching, and the two, the two of them together are an interesting watch because I watched them both on oh, the yeah. same night as this, well. Uh, a, f- f- a friend, a friend of are mine, no, uh, that I watched Mulholland Drive with. Um, He's we, no longer a friend. Uh, no, we uh, um, also um, um, went uh, strawberry picking, as I said earlier. In, yeah, as we were in, discussing in, in this eighteen-hour-long podcast, um, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But why did I bring him up? <laughs> Sorry, I'm losing my it mind. It doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> um, uh. they, they, <laughs> oh, God, I'm sure there was a reason. <laughs> um, Have you actually forgotten? <laughs> I, Have I, you even I, seen I, Mulholland Drive? <laughs> <laughs> I demand to oh, know. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. I remember oh, now. Good. I remember now. Because we, we did we did the little line of strawberries another in, eight hours in those seven three weeks. Point. But a- after having e- e- eaten strawberries for for three weeks, like every day, like whether we wanted to or not, because like you know we were we were uh, uh, poor and there were free strawberries everywhere. <laughs> um, we uh, we did not want to to have strawberries for a very long time. That didn't mean that strawberries were bad. <laughs> it's just that we had had you'd, had, ma- you'd had your fill. Too many of them. Oh, okay. So oh, yeah. for for missing pieces, I I I think I may have to wait a little while for that. And not because you don't want strawberries. Sorry, I, in I, the, I, Inland Empire similarly. Yeah. Inland, Inland Empire. So yeah. it's pretty much strawberry fields for 
well a little while. <laughs> but I, I mean, actually- I like strawberries now. <laughs> it, I just had to, you know, you know, cool on them for a bit. But I was thinking actually specifically, now that I found in my notes, episode nine, for example, which has the wonderful, again, you have two scenes that are nominally quite different from one another in terms of tone, in terms of genre. So you have the Hastings interrogation with Tammy, uh, where he's crying and it's That's very Matthew heightened. Lillard. That's Matthew Lillard. Tremendously underrated actor. Great. He's he is great in brilliant this. And brilliant in the American version of The Bridge as well. Uh, he's absolutely fantastic. He, he plays a reporter. Oh, cool. And he's genuinely one of the more underrated actors that never really get talked about. It. Yeah. Just little, and, and just I, so I, much but so little. And, and I have to say he's the beginning, the, is it? Uh, it's Billy Hastings, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and sorry. Yes, the, yeah. The, and also I know the it's, an, it's yeah. an obvious uh, callback, but uh, he's hilarious in Scream. He's great. Like I genuinely think he's a very good actor. I just great work at Twin Peaks. I was amazed that he was playing somebody in his 40s. Like, to People me, he's grow still old. the same age. He's still know, the yeah. kid from Scream. I He'll know. still be the dumb sidekick from yeah. Scream. But I mean, this is this is the thing that that sequence right yeah. between Tammy and Hastings is followed directly by the scene with Beverly and Ben listening for the sound in the room, right? Hmm. And they're nominally looking at it. There's no sense in why yeah. those two scenes should come after one another. Except you have this wonderful sort of thematic connection between the two where Hastings is talking about how he found love with Ruth while they were doing this search for the zone, which is this weird esoteric thing. And it obviously turns out to be connected to the Black Lodge and obviously leads to his head getting exploded in, you know, a couple of episodes time. But he's talking about like, that's not what the scene ends up being about. It's like, we were supposed to go scuba diving. (laughs) I want to go scuba diving. Which is just one of my favorite moments. It's great. And he delivers the hell out of it as well. Yeah, the the delivery of those lines. I mean, we we were talking about Fire Walk With Me earlier on. Where he, he did like I, 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 I know the point there isn't isn't how funny those 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 lines are, but I I love I love that scene with uh, with Bobby and uh, Laura where where uh, oh no sorry it's James and Laura yeah. where 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 she's saying I'm 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 a turkey and James is like the. No, uh, turkeys are really stupid animals. And she was Aww. like, gobble, gobble, gobble. 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had a horrible callback to Gili. Um, Stop it. But I mean, uh, just like... Sorry, Mellonboy just mentioned Shaggy, uh, Matthew Leonard. Yes, <laughs> I, that's what <laughs> I was thinking when yeah, yeah. I watched that. Yeah, I just yeah, thought yeah. Shaggy. It, from, it's a good performance. Yeah, By yeah. the way, you can visit the Search for the Zone website. Kurt has actually sort of uh, link, linked that in, which is very cool. Excellent, I'll have a look at that. Um, but what was I about to say? That scene, right? Which, again, is followed by the, the scene between Beverly and between Ben Horn, right? Yeah. Normally no connection at all, except for the fact that they're both about couples investigating a strange phenomenon where they're really more interested in finding a spiritual connection between them or a sexual connection or a romantic connection between them. So you have the idea that like while, you know, he was very into, and again, you go to the search for the zone, I think it's Robert Heinlein um, is the sort of science fiction fan that Hastings is a huge fan of, but it's very much a way that he connected with Ruth and that he had this affair and he really seemed to love her, or at least love the idea of going scuba diving. And you have the idea that, like, Ben is using the strange sound that's coming from the corner of his office as an excuse to be in the same space as Beverly, to connect with Beverly. In fact, it's the sequence while they're both searching that he says, like, I can't do this. Um, I'm sorry. But it's the idea that they're in close proximity to yeah. one another investigating this thing. 
And I quite like the juxtaposition between those two, even though there's nothing in terms of genre, in terms of tone, they're in completely yeah. different shows. But, but thematically, they're kind of tied together. But it's it. not accidental. Lynch no, knows exactly not. what he's doing. Like yeah. I mean, those two kinds of kind of sublimation. Yeah. Where you're you're um, ostensibly you're 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 looking for 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 this thing, but you are looking for a thing, but it's not what you say you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of kind of cool, and I, I like that. There's that element of kind of continuity to it as well, which is kind of cool. And again, this is where we talk about the logic. Where like Lynch's logic isn't necessarily something that's like rational or, or inherent. And again, I have massive amounts of empathy for everybody who tries to work this stuff out. Like, there's some really great stuff there on, say, the use of numerology in there, and in trying to understand like what each of it, what everything means in a single shot. But I find that with Lynch's films, it's easier to just sort of go with it. Yeah, just sort of open yourself up and just sort of like feel it almost well, to a certain extent. Would have have been slavishly following certain plots and particularly in a lot of different movies or TV shows whereas older me doesn't really give Hello. it to a certain point if I can't figure it out it's kind of okay you know yeah. Yeah. It, it, like I, I, particularly with somebody like Lynch or who's the guy to make Primer uh, oh, Shane Cruz like when I watched it what's the one you did after Primer oh Upstream Colour Upstream Colour uh, yeah. I got about 20 minutes into Upstream Colour I'd lost the thread of it did it with Primer to a certain point and I said you know, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I, I enjoyed the imagery, enjoyed the story, I enjoyed how it was going to how the people acted, and it didn't really matter that I couldn't figure it out. It, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it, like as long as you enjoy what you're yeah. oh, I mean, experiencing. Karuth, I mean, yeah. Caruth is somebody who's clearly been touched by the hand of Lynch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Caruth doesn't exist without Lynch in, in many ways. Like, well, I mean, a lot of independent yeah. American cinema. Like, well, I mean, we're talking, about, well, yeah, we're talking yeah. about the back and forth between Tarantino and Lynch earlier. Like, Tarantino arguably doesn't exist without Lynch to sort of guide him to a certain extent. And I know you're not a big fan of Tarantino. I am a fan oh, of Tarantino, so I just, you know. I know, I'd, 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 I'd go to bat for Inglourious Bastards. I think it's great. It's probably the second best film. <laughs> go to bat, huh? Uh, 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 uh. That was completely accidental. Right, Jay, you're huh? going to have to leave in a few minutes. Right? I am. So we're going to lay the smackaroonie up. You okay. first, right? And you've had all yes. Like yeah, and, and I've had you've ten been hours. I've been listening, listening to the podcast. You know what's coming. I realized at some point that I'll have to answer this question. So <laughs> You'll be asleep when you answer it. I should write something down. <laughs> oh no, we have an entire hour dedicated to your answer to these questions. So oh, no pressure. <laughs> but yeah, so Jay, what is Twin Peaks about for you? If you were to sum up what Twin Peaks means to you, what well, would it be? I think about this, and this kind of solidified and crystallized in my head. About a year and a half ago, when I watched Firewalk with me, or rewatched Firewalk with me, I should say, um, and nothing in terms of rewatching the original series or the return has changed my opinion on it. And Twin Peaks, for me, is Lynch's exploration of violence against women. Oh, in real terms, and like it's explicit in Firewalk with me in terms of. I think you mentioned earlier. I was listening. I thought about giving Laura Palmer agency yeah. because she's a, a dead girl in the show. Yeah. Uh, and in pop culture, and in, in general. pop culture, yeah, yeah. But in Firewalk Me, she's very much alive, and you get to see yeah. what people do and the rage, and like kind of linked thing with earlier on with the whole idea of kind of violence being kind of almost person to person, and then episode eight brings it to a larger kind of thing with like the explosion mm-hmm. of bombs. You, violence can be bigger and whatever, and I think yeah. that kind of rage, and it is a male rage, and it's personified in Bob in in real terms. And Leland, in that regard, yeah. depend on. And I think you mentioned earlier, I think it's absolutely correct. Leland's is evil as. Or is implicated. Actual, it's, 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 it's implicated. I mean, Bob 
exists in all of us in the sense yeah. of it. Like it's, he's I mean, not it, possessing it. I don't think in the way. No, not like a puppet master. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to yeah. be fair, the second season sort of implies it, where yeah. it's like, watch me pull the plug yeah. and just watch him drain away. Yeah. But so there's, there's the, there's nothing about the whole business that's, um, that um, uh, Mister C has in in Rio. That, that Bob thought was important. By the way, do you know that, that shot of him in Rio, by the way? That's that's Al Capone's mansion in Florida, which is quite lovely. Lovely. Um, Al, oh, as in, like, it used to be Al Capone's, yeah. now owned by the Capone family. But, I uh, will say that is some bad Photoshop. <laughs> I don't expect them to go to Rio. I, I do not necessarily it would be a bit too in character. Do you know it? what like the irony is? I don't think that was Photoshop. I would entirely uh, believe they flew Kyle McLaughlin to Florida and were like, just stand in front of this mansion and look sort of dodgy. Yeah. Yeah, we're done. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it. Good, good job. Uh, take a weekend. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, that, no, that, I think you're entirely right. And I think that's it's interesting in terms of, because I think Leyland mentions at one point that he remembers Bob from his childhood. Yes. And I wonder if there's like... Is it implied that Leyland himself was was abused? Maybe that he was sort it's, of, and is that like a cycle of violence that you get? Caught I think in? there's an element of that, and I think everybody knows a Bob, and everybody knows a Leyland yeah. to some to a certain degree, and that's worldwide, not necessarily an American thing. But I think Lynch's preoccupation with violence in America is is there, yeah. and I think it is a male to female violence act across the board in the show, and it doesn't feel to me in the way that people talk about shows just shown violence for the sake of it or whatever this feels yeah. real in the sense that he's well, exploring the, the impotent rage that is there yeah I mean you and I had this discussion about I think it's Madeline Zemo uh, Zemas uh, role in the first episode the yeah. Netflix and chill gone or Netflix and yes. chilling as it's been described but the watching of the box and then the, the yeah. brutal murder which is explicitly sort of sexualized because she strips down yeah. and she's naked and again this is how was them having sex thank, thank yeah. you thank you Andrew I'm glad that you're here to explain it to me yeah um, <laughs> I'm not sure what we do otherwise. Um, but yeah, but that like I think you were talking about how like with other directors you'd be more cynical about that in terms yeah. of it being like a well we're on showtime now moment. Here's the boob shot. Here's the boob yeah, shot yeah. and the ass shot. But yeah. I think that you made a point that Lynch was doing something kind of more subversive with that. I think I think I think he's gonna show like people are gonna die and they're gonna die horribly here. And and it again it, we talked about earlier about different payoffs and how Lynch pays stuff like this when that scene happens when they come in like there's a million different ways you think it could go you know I mean it's like, <laughs> I don't yeah, imagine yeah, anybody yeah, yeah, yeah. going to be that uh, way no. I don't imagine Especially anybody was with like, the fact you've got them naked and having sex but they're, and they're actually they're, they seem quite nice Yes, you know, it's, which, and a very that, wholesome which is all, as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, like the fact that he doesn't clue in to the fact that she really wants. Yeah, to have and sex even with it. it's and it's explicit the day before when she drops him with the coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I like that idea and Lynch, but the savagery and violence of what comes out of the yeah. thing is the punishment for that kind of nicety almost. I mean, I, I think that I, it's I think it's that scene that sequence is reflective of Twin Peaks as a whole and that you're dealing with people who at, on the surface at least seem perfectly nice and pleasant just want to get on with their lives and then the next thing bloody violence befalls yeah. them all. Yeah. And I think you know, like uh, you'd see it in you see it in Blue Velvet oh, with yeah. Frank Booth and the kind of the oxygen mask and the, and even the idea like that's sexualized and yeah, itself. and the and the male gaze though with uh, McLaughlin in the cupboard watching you know yeah that's uh, voyeurism yeah I'd like and uh, Lynch like, has been well, Lynch like, is very uh, yeah sort it's of like, like and I always think that I think he's he's an, he's a much more he's a much smarter filmmaker or much more aware of these things that I think perhaps he's given credit for yeah um, and I think he's like I think a fire walk with me is explicitly 
about the trying to, of it yeah. and trying to work that out. I was like, why did I make that show? I want to show what this was about. This, yeah. per- this was a person. And to make her vibrant. And he talks yeah, yeah. about how he, like, he made it because he was still dreaming of Laura Palmer yeah. to a certain extent in that. Like, And Lynch talks about how like he, one of the reasons he came back to the return was because he still dreams about the characters to a certain extent. Well, and he made them so vivid and some of them so likable and some of them so horrible that that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. No, no, like, but that, that, that's what it'd be for me. That's that's kind of how we see it. Cool. Uh, that's worth a lot more than that, and there's oh, a lot a more to it. It's a very valid interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's how we watch it. And right. it's, it's an exceptional show. You may right. have to dash now. I have to yeah. dash Which in the next two minutes. Out. I may actually just uh, hand over to Phil then and turn yeah. the turn the sort of spotlight that we have here Ugh. on Sunny Jim's Jungle Gym towards <laughs> you and ask you, Phil, right? You've been talking about it. You came in, and thank you very much, both of you, for doing three hours. Oh, it was really phenomenal. Our pleasure. I've enjoyed it immensely. Even though I feel like a wasted lot of time going off on tangents and being what? I mean, like, weird self. it's Twin Peaks after dark now. Tangents are uh, yeah. okay. I mean, like, have you any idea what awaits us in the next seven hours? <laughs> oh, um, help you both. But uh, have more you coffee. <laughs> we have uh, coffee. We Thank are, God. Have some coffee. I don't know if uh, I don't know if more coffee would be the right idea now. <laughs> like, I feel unaccountably tired for how early we are in. The, I'd stay away from the cherry uh, pie. I think I'd stay. Yeah, uh, yeah. no yeah. more, no more sweet treats. No more cherry pie. But I'm Phil, right? Yeah. But it's so good. What is Twin Peaks about for you? You see, Jay is given a very specific answer, which I like. And I feel like, um, well, I've, well, I can't compete with that, number one. Well, of course you can. Well, I don't. I mean, it's a cliche to say that I like. It'd be a cliche to say that I don't. That I like Twin Peaks because there is nothing else like it on television. Even though I think that's why a lot of people like it. Oh, that's a fair. But I think it's just more specifically, uh, like, in terms of the return. I mean, I liked, I loved the original Twin Peaks, even, you know, forgiving us the massive jump down in quality that it takes in the second half of the second season. Um, but it's still something that felt very beholden to a certain amount of convention. Listeners, say goodbye to Jay. Bye, Jay. Bye, Jay. Jay nearly left his phone here. Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> I thought he was making one soon, last. Soon. Testicles. Okay, good luck. All right, All right bye. Thank I thought th- I thought that uh, it was oh uh, and our listeners are saying goodbye to Jay. Hey, hey. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Where was I? Yeah. yeah so sorry, I was yeah, basically just... saying that I I love the original even though it has problems and while it was still very different to other TV shows that were around at the time, it's still it still has a certain amount of narrative convention. Yeah. And and then I watched that and when I watched it, I had already seen some Lynch, and afterwards I watched more. But it was especially after watching Inland Empire, okay. uh, I realized that, you know, as odd as Twin Peaks is, it's nowhere near close to this. So I suppose if we're talking specifically about what the return means to me, the return, I feel, is the show that Lynch always wanted to make oh. and always meant to make. Because this is the, the return isn't anywhere near as beholden to any kind of convention it also has the luxury of having a lot of established characters even though we've moved on 25 years yeah. but it's not tethered to expectations of within an episode a beginning a middle and a conclusion or at least a cliffhanger instead this and I suppose this comes back to the whole argument about whether it's a, a film or a, a film or a TV show it is a TV show I think you know practically speaking yeah. but you can make the argument either way I mean it could be watched as a movie. But anyway, tangent. Uh, the, my point is this. It's... The, the return is just... I think Lynch 
operating at his most Lynchian, I suppose. It is stuffed full of absolute insanity, albeit an insanity you can put your own logic to if you want, or you can just soak in the weirdness and appreciate it on that level. You can read all kinds of thematic depths into it. Um, it's just, it's a show that, for all its strangeness, for all its curiosity, has something to offer pretty much any viewer that comes to it. And that's Which why I great. like it so. That's amazing. That actually is, and I think we've talked about this. We had this same conversation with, like, Jen, where she was saying that, yeah, the great thing about Twin Peaks is that it, it's accessible. And uh, yeah, and I mean, that is precisely why I like it, because it, it's accessible without being obviously so. I mean, it's it's odd. It's odd. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There are times it's absolute back. Hello! Crazy. But um, I guess the things that I find back... Hello! Might be things that people find funny and the things I find funny might be things people find absolutely nutty yeah and and like again I think there's something in that in the idea that it doesn't conform to anything and it doesn't have to make sense I think there's a freedom in that and I think that like I think that as much as people are wary of things not making sense or as much as people are kind of scary or sort of scared of like not forcing something into an easy kind of pattern mm-hmm. I think that there's something about Twin Peaks that, that I love that it gives you the freedom to like my interpretive t- interpretation of Twin Peaks will undoubtedly be different than yours and different than Andrew's yeah. and there's something glorious in the fact that it's so weird that there's no one right answer and so we're all right in a way and like I mean or all horrendously wrong but like I mean I think that's the way with art in general but I think that Twin Peaks being so obtuse or being so abstract means that like you you have a greater freedom to do that and that I really love that aspect mm-hmm. Mm. And it really challenges that dichotomy between something being um, accessible and at the same time completely inscrutable. Mm. And, and, and that it can be both. And I think that's something that, that's like, um, like Amy said it uh, uh, best. It's a gift. Yeah. That, 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 that to have you, that artistic sort of sensibility and to have that ability to do that. But uh, but it's a gift to us. Oh, to be able, to, as our to, privilege to, to be able to watch it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, there really isn't anything else like it because it, it's it's got a lot of elements of other Lynch. It's got the nightmare-inducing sights and sounds and shocks of something like Inland Empire or Lost Highway, but it also has the probe of of um, squeaky clean fronts that so many of us put up you know that's that's blue velvet in a nutshell really Mm -hmm. and it also has um it has style and it has it has a sufficient propulsive narrative to keep you going through its stranger elements which are things that i appreciate about say mulholland drive it it feels like lynch condensed into an 18-hour extravaganza yeah and that's, and that's, I think that's really about it, as it's a good explanation great. I can give. And I mean, like I've watched, again, I've watched it quite a few times, particularly recently for this thing. And it's amazing how you, not that you find different things every time you see particular emphasis, but the way that you watch it changes. Uh, because the, knowing where it goes and stuff like that, it, it's just, yeah, it's, I really, really love that. And I love that aspect of it. Like mm. the idea of it as an object that you sort of, you look at it. it's the ele- it's a blind man describing an elephant <laughs> as far as we're talking critically and it's like yeah. sometimes it's a trunk and sometimes so it's a snake and sometimes you know it's a tail so it's you know it can be what anything well, it could be whatever you want it to be 
which I kind of like, which is probably not the best way to start out seven hours of myself and Andrew sort of talking through the dark. Is uh, it? It's, it's not just you two for the next seven hours. Uh, no, and Andy from, from Twin Peaks Season 3 will be joining us about 4 a.m. We may have a couple of guests from the show on at a certain point um, if we can, if they can pre-up their schedules. Excellent. Uh, which would be nice. I don't want to name any names because that will never lead to disappointment. Um Talk to you later, Kyle. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> manage expectations, bro. Manage expectations. Um, but no, it, it's been... It's, it's been... Michael Sarah. <laughs> In character as Wally Brando. Mm. That would be amazing. That would be really I amazing. I let you know how grateful I am to be on this podcast. To yeah. talk about this movie. Or is it... very happy about <laughs> I'm not oh, sure listeners could hear that. Uh, <laughs> Phil, you, you're heading off, aren't you? I'm afraid I am as well. Thank you so much. To our Thank international so listeners, it's 1am in the bloody morning. Yeah. And myself and Andrew are just getting started, apparently. Oh, yes. you have my You have my sympathies, boys. So, so, um, well I, done on the effort. Is this the Keep final person we're walking Yes, this is the final the, person the, we're walking the, the stairs from... Uh, just have another look at the white that the the box. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Darren, you keep him talking. You know, Perfect. Get um, your DJ persona going. You know how it goes. Yeah. Toodaloo, folks. All right, See take you on it easy, guys. Side. See you on the other side. Uh, listeners, please feel free to thank Phil and let him know because uh, he really was. It was really great having you on. And you and Jay doing three hours with us. We really, really appreciate it. No, and we think you. it was a My fun family. discussion. Thank you so much, Phil. Not at all. And I'll um, talk to you guys soon. Um, I'm just going to read David Lynch interview quotes. I think that might be the best way to go with this sort of thing. No, um, do we, do we want to do this? Do we want me to read random David Lynch interview quotes? Because I think they're actually, I really like Lynch as an interview subject. Uh, in particular, just because he's so, he seems, he doesn't like talking about his work, obviously. And there's whole sort of sorts of discussions about that. And that's understandable. Like, I mean, there's this whole argument that Lynch has about, like, how he doesn't necessarily I want guess. to. Uh, Andrew's back, apparently. Um, oh. No, and Andrew is leaving. Um, <laughs> I'll be leaving in a short while. Um, <laughs> oh, the impression. Oh, um the La- the Wally Brando impressions were apparently quite good, you guys. Just so oh, you know good, that. The, 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 um, Thank you. But yeah, there's there's something very like Lynch apparently refuses, or not refuses. Um, he reportedly went to a therapy session in the late '80s and walked out after he asked if it might affect his work or his ability to to do his work. And there's an interesting sort of discussion about that, and that reminds me of like Steven Spielberg, who's talked a little bit about how, for example, kind of. Um, Spielberg has argued that he doesn't like to read criticism as work or to think about his work critically because not because he's interesting. No, I, I want a full recap. Um, but like the idea is that like Spielberg generally speaks gone again and Andrew's gone again and I'm holding the mic by myself. But the idea is that Spielberg doesn't like to think critically about where his art comes from uh, because he's worried that if he does do that he'll actually lose the ability to create that. Like if he analyzes it, there's a wonderful section in the Spielberg, I think documentary that was out, I think 2015, uh, which I wholeheartedly recommend for both enthusiasts of Spielberg and also just people who are interested in American cinema. I think it's a really great uh, interview, but the uh, really great documentary. Uh, and it's great because Spielberg actually talks about his work because Spielberg has been notably sort of reticent to do that. And he's reticent to do that because he worries that if he understands this gift that he has, and it is an absolute gift. Um, if he understands that, then the magic will go away. Like once you understand how the watch works, it ceases to be as beautiful a piece of work as it would otherwise be. And I think maybe there's an element of of kind of Lynch in that where Lynch is sort of like a little bit uncomfortable maybe with talking about or explaining where his stuff comes from in, in large part because 
maybe if you analyze something or if you strip it away, you remove sort of the magic from it. I mean, the other hand is that it, it reminds me a bit of Christopher Nolan. Um, again, I've, I've written a book about Christopher Nolan, so I'm very, very prone to talk about him uh, for long periods of times at ra random kind of integers. But the thing about Nolan uh, has said that, like, when he did, um, when he released sort of Memento, and when he screened Memento, Hello. I think at Venice, hey, welcome back, um, Nolan was asked at a, at a post-screening Q&A what the ending of the film meant, uh, what the ending of the film was about. Um, and he actually gave an answer. He gave his subjective interpretation of what the ending of his work of art was. And he was very clear and very upfront that it was just his way of reading the work that he'd written. But immediately afterwards, his brother, sort of Jonah, uh, I think he actually hit him in the head and called him a lunkhead. Although I may be hallucinating that part about this thing. But uh, the argument that Jonah made was that by Nolan stating his interpretation of what he presented to the audience he had effectively sort of like removed the magic from it and removed the audience's what, what need. What was his interpretation? Is, 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 is that uh, uh, a, a ghost to, to, to ask? Uh, well, I mean, this is the thing where... Um, I'm just going to shut off the, the two mics there. So it's just myself and Andrew now. Uh, but Andrew, would you want to talk into your mic there? Hello. Oh, can perfect. You, yep, so it's just it, the two of us now. Is, this, is, yeah. this is fantastic. Um, just the two of us. You and I. But yeah, there's... Just there's you and I. But yeah, there's um, this this element of like I don't I don't know what it was, um, and he's promised never to speak of it again. And besides, you and I are doing a podcast about you know sort of Memento at some point. You haven't seen Memento, so no. I absolutely should not tell you what his interpretation of it is. Andrew's like, I need to crib notes that when Darren asks me what Memento's about, I can just fire this back to him. Um, but yeah, there's this sort of sense of. Nolan. We're talking about Nolan now. We are, sorry, yeah. <laughs> but like, no, no, but the argument is that, that Jonah and Nolan make is the moment that a creator talks about their work of art, it becomes, like, objective. It becomes verifiable. It's like, there is a right way to lead, read this work because that's the way the person who wrote it did. Because ignoring, like, again, death of the author is a critical text, but having something concrete that you can cite and point to and say, this is what it means, takes away a lot of the, the magic. Well, yeah, of kind it... Of, it, it, it it, it inhibits interpretation. Yeah. And it, it inhibits sort of, yeah, audience. Why would like, you engaging. do that to your art? Yeah. And I think that there's a, perhaps an element of that in how Lynch sort of talks about his films and why he's so reluctant to sort of talk about them and why he'd be much happier talking at length to Noel Murray of the New York Times about the furniture that he's building and how it has a really great wine holder in the corner. Because it, it's, it's art is personal to uh, the creator. It's 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 just like your one's one's own uh, personality is personal to them, yeah. but that's not all it is because there's also what the world sees of you. Yeah. That's a different picture from the picture you have of yourself. So yeah. as a, as an artist um, creating something, that's important to you. But what's Im important to um, the, the the people who consume that art is their experience of yeah. it. And you don't want to take that away as an artist because, like, no. that's yeah, that's your your obligation. You like it devalues the work if it's there's if it's just this one thing as opposed to it being something for anybody who wants to engage or experience it. Yeah.
And so ends the first release of the 250 Live, uh, the 18-hour podcast that we host in support of the Irish Cancer Society as part of Daffodil Day, covering Twin Peaks The Return. We obviously broadcast live for 18 hours, uh, but we're editing those episodes together into uh, something that we're hoping to release. We weren't able to get all 18 edited and ready for release uh, in time to hit the mark. So we wanted to release something this week, so we thought that we'd actually just release the first 11 episodes, which cover all of the Irish guests. Now, Andy Hazel from Twin Peaks Season 3 uh, joined us later in the uh, morning, and uh, we'll be releasing, we'll hopefully uh, be releasing a fuller, uh, more inclusive, full sort of, you know, 18 or 17 and a half hour version of the podcast in the next couple of weeks, so keep your eyes peeled on that. But Hopefully you got a bit of a taste of, of what the event was like and some really great people talking about the things that they love. In the meantime, we'll be slipping back into a more regular release pattern uh, after this. Next week, uh, we're hoping to be discussing V for Vendetta, just myself and Andrew. And then if all goes to plan, we'll be kicking off Anime April, the annual celebration of Japanese animated films on the 250. Where we'll be looking this year at Akira. Uh, obviously 2019 being a very big year for that and with a bit of luck we'll have graham day and marianne cassidy joining us for that so take it easy take care guys see you next week bye